You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What's up, guys? Hope that you are doing fantastic this week. We are starting a new series. Uh, We're going to walk through the book of Ruth. Ruth is a book found in the Old Testament. It's only four chapters long, so we're going to do this for four weeks. And we're going to just look at something that we can pull out of each chapter of this beautiful story found in the book of Ruth and uh, apply it to our lives today. I want to give you guys a heads up. Over the next year, Faith Chapel um, is going to be doing a series entitled Threads. And we are going to connect these themes that present themselves throughout the Bible. And it's going to be absolutely incredible. So one of the things that I would love to encourage you to do is to subscribe not just to the FC Young Adult podcast, but also to the Faith Chapel podcast and see how we work this thing out together. Pastor Nate is going to do this big meta narrative thing where he will connect uh, a theme that literally touches all of these different points throughout scripture. And then at our midweek services, what we're going to do is we're going to hone in on one passage or one story that has something to do with that theme and we'll dig a little bit deeper. So we're really excited about that. But for the first four weeks this year, we are going to look at this story of Ruth. I think that it's a profound look at how God operates within the hardship and the joys of human life. What's really interesting about this book, what you'll see over the next four weeks, is that God is not really mentioned a ton. In the first chapter, he is, but as far as a book of the Bible, uh, God is not really mentioned. And it's this really intricate story where there's just like the practicality of human relationship and then you see the divinity that happens through God just and how he works out uh, his plan and his purposes in our human relationship is really, really beautiful. So this week we're going to be in Ruth chapter 1. We're going to start right at the very beginning. Verse 1, chapter 1 says this. It says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Right off the top, we're given some context and foundation for which the whole story will play out. The first thing that it says is, In the days when judges ruled. So there's no kings yet. We don't have a a nation of Israel that has established a kingdom. So there's still tribal in nature. If you look at the Old Testament, there's 12 tribes that are established in the book of Genesis. And there's all of these things that are going on, but there's no kingdom of Israel yet. But Moab, this country that a man and his wife and his two sons moved to, is actually an enemy of the nation of Israel. And so it's really interesting about this story. It'll play out in some some different ways moving in through the next chapters. But it's important that we understand that Moab plays a big part because it's a part of the heritage of Ruth. So we'll go on in Ruth chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. It says, The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malone and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. Judah is a tribe of Israel. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malone and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So what we find in the first five verses of Ruth is tragedy and death. We have famine, the death of her husband, death of two sons, and Naomi loses 
everything that she holds dear. It's hard, hard for us to imagine, but the first point is this, is that we cannot always control our circumstances, but we can always control our responses. We cannot always control our circumstances, but we can always control our responses. What we will see over the next four chapters is the steadfastness in Naomi. She's human. She's she's not perfect by any stretch, but her faith and her steadfastness is really inspiring. Even in the midst of her sorrow, she is someone who is constantly looking at God. For us, the beginning of the story is a reminder to be people who are responsive, not reactionary. And I think the simple difference between somebody who responds and somebody who reacts is, a, is someone who responds takes time to assess the situation and process before doing anything. Reactors, some of us are reactors. I feel like I am very often a reactor. Is someone who who doesn't take time to process the information, but just reacts in a way that is most natural to them. And we are called as followers of Jesus to be people who are intentional responders. Um, we've probably all sat with someone who's gone through tragedy and you're blown away at the way that they do respond. And I always think uh, of a couple different people, but this story is really interesting because I feel like I know a modern day Naomi. We have a woman in our church, um, who has just been through the gamut. She lost her husband, she lost one son, and then she lost another son. So you, you could easily call her Naomi and she helps run our grief share ministry here at the church. And she's just, her faith and her steadfastness is, I'm just, it's inspiring every single time uh, I get to interact with her because I think it would be so easy uh, to discount um, your faith, to, to run away from all of this because of all the things that have happened. But she has found even deeper faith through her relationship with Jesus and through tragedy and sorrow. And my hope is that you and I would be people who can pause and assess situations, um, that we would be people who, who can respond with intentionality and not be thrown to the wind by our circumstances or make right decisions and, and uh, rash decisions. And it's, it's one of those things where so often I think that we, we experience the seemingly small and we believe that, that, it's not something that we have to respond with intentionality to, but if we don't respond to the small things, then we won't be able to respond well to the big things. And so let's be people who are intentionally responsive in the seemingly small and the obviously massive moments of our lives. Naomi and Ruth in this story are dealt a terrible hand. Naomi loses her husband and both her sons. Ruth loses her father-in-law, her brother-in-law, and her husband. But they, they could have given up, and they don't. Especially in their culture, they could have given up. If if you're not familiar with Jewish culture, it, I mean, you are a, your value is attached to your husband, and if your husband passed away, your value is attached to your children, and neither of them had either, and they could have given up. And what we'll see over the next month is that they do not do that; that they they prevail and they have faith, and it's really inspiring. Verses six through thirteen, a little bit bigger passage here, goes on to say this. When, when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people back in her homeland by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will fill, find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. 
But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. So there's the first reference of the Lord. There's nothing that would indicate up to this point that Naomi had done anything in her life to receive the wrath of God. Yet her belief is that the hand of God had turned against her. And I wonder if that resonates with some of us. Like, Do we believe that life is a direct representation of how God feels about us? I know that I'm guilty of that, and many of you are guilty of that too. But if we feel that way, I just want to urge all of us to kill that thought process. The next point this week is, is to remember the steady love of God. Now, do I believe that blessing can come with, with faithfulness and, and blessing can come with obedience to the calls on our lives? Yes, absolutely. But do I believe that God loves us less when we're not obedient? Absolutely not. If we are constantly worried that every less than ideal thing is from God, we become people who live consumed by fear instead of people who are camping out in the love and the grace of Jesus. We want to be people who are obedient, but not because of the blessing, but because Jesus has been faithful to us first. So Naomi's reaction to her circumstance is natural. She looks at losing her husband and her sons, and she's like, man, God must be angry at me. I am being punished for something that is a natural experience, that is a natural reaction. And I'm not trying to throw shade at her. She is human and fallible just like I am. But we will see over the next month that the story is bigger and that even though she feels this way, she perseveres. Naomi and Ruth both persevere and they get out of that headspace and they stop focusing on that and they start focusing on the bigger story. So can we be people who step out of our natural reactions and believe that the story is bigger? Your current circumstance, good or bad, does not define the rest of your life. Your current relationships, good or bad, do not define the rest of your life. The story is bigger, but we have to be people who step in to the story of God and get out of focusing just on our own story. This, this story goes on to say verses uh, in verses 14 through 18. It says, At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. There's a lot to unpack here. Ruth uh, was a wordsmith. First off, this passage can often be heard at weddings, which must mean that women really, really love their mothers-in-law. That's, a, that's all I can... Just kidding. But I think that this, this passage actually does paint this beautiful picture about human relationships. And, and I think that Ruth's action towards her mother-in-law creates a beautiful look into a holy moment. And I think that this moment presents itself in a couple different facets. The first one being this is that it was a moment of loyalty. A moment of loyalty. A loyalty is defined as this, a strong feeling of support or allegiance. A strong feeling of support or allegiance. Now, loyalty is something that we've all experienced, something 
loyalty is something that we all have. This is kind of a silly example, but when I think of loyalty, I think about what's happening in our household right now. Me and my wife um, have been consumed really for the last couple of years. I mean, when we were in like lockdown and stuff, we played a ton of cards and, and we have continued to do that. And there's one game that we play called Dutch Blitz. If you haven't played Dutch Blitz, go play Dutch Blitz. It's so much fun. But what's really interesting is it gets really heated. Me and my wife, Larissa, are both very competitive. And we'll sit down and we'll be playing the game. And our kids will come over to the table and they'll pick sides. And so, you know, my oldest son, Maddox, he'll he'll pick somebody's side. And then my daughter, Zara, will pick the other person's side. And they'll cheer for us. And what's hard is that they, they start to talk crap. Like, they'll talk smoke and, and uh, really, really get us going. And the loyalty there for that game is impeccable. They are loyal. And then the next day they, they switch. Usually the first person to get to the table picks the person who's currently up in points. So it's not really that loyal at all. But loyalty, this, this idea, this concept of loyalty in our everyday lives in bigger things than card games, I feel like has been lost in our culture. The loyalty is not something that would define our humanity. In fact, I would say that selfishness is probably something that is more likely to define our culture than loyalty to somebody else or even loyalty to God. I think that's why this moment is so striking. Ruth makes this incredible statement and through it is saying that she is more concerned with being loyal to Naomi than what is easiest and what is best for her personally. The truth is Ruth could have gone back to the Moabite people and started over. They would have taken her back. She could have found a new husband. She could have worshiped the gods that she'd been worshiping her entire life up to this point. And Jewish customs put her in an undesirable spot, but Naomi had loved her well for a decade and Ruth had recognized that and she wanted to respond to the way that Naomi had loved her and because it counted for something. As I was working through this passage, this concept kept slapping me in the face that, that Jesus has been go- so good for me, so good to me for so long, but a question that kept coming up is how loyal am I to Jesus in the face of hardship? I've been blessed with a semi- seemingly easy life my my peaks and my valleys are not as dramatic as many people's but in the face of hardship how loyal i how loyal am i to my faith in jesus and maybe you could ask yourself the same question how loyal am i to jesus in the face of hardship you see naomi had been loyal to ruth for 10 years and ruth made the commitment to reciprocate that jesus has been loyal and faithful to us Whether we see it or we don't, Jesus is constantly faithful, constantly loyal, and constantly loving, but we get the opportunity to return that loyalty, to reciprocate that loyalty, that love, and that faithfulness. So a moment of loyalty. The second way it presents itself is a moment of conversion. Ruth had spent those 10 years with Naomi, and Ruth was drawn to their relationship. She loved Naomi for who she was, but when she said, your God will be my God, it was evidence that she was also drawn to Naomi's relationship with her God. Naomi, along with her family, were foreigners in Moab. They came and they could have taken on the Moabite customs, but instead they kept their Jewish customs. They could have started worshiping Moabite gods, but they were worshiping their God and they kept their faith. And Ruth had a completely different upbringing, but there was something about the people. There was something about Naomi and her husband and her sons and the God that they serve that Ruth was compelled by. That relationship compelled Ruth. And I want to make something really clear before we dive into this any deeper, that the we are not going to save anybody's soul. You and I are not their savior. Jesus is. However, the way that we live our lives and the way that we walk out our faith can absolutely be compelling to those watching us, to those watching us from a close distance and those watching us from afar. So is your faith compelling? Is your faith compelling? Is my faith 
compelling? Do people look at our authentic relationships with Jesus? Not, not our Instagram relationship with Jesus, but our authentic relationship with Jesus and want what we have. Because the fact of the matter is this, is that what we have is the greatest gift ever given. What we have is the whole story. This relationship with Jesus is absolutely everything. Is it compelling? Do people, in the way that they look our lives, in the way that they interact us, interact with us, are they compelled by this gift that we've been given? And are they interested, interested in receiving that gift themselves? The third way that this moment presents itself is a moment of surrender. For Ruth to go with Naomi meant that she had to leave her old life behind and step into a new one. You can probably see where I'm going with that. Like Ruth, you and I get the opportunity to step out of what was into what is. We get to step out of what was and step into what is promised in Jesus. That we have to let go of our old life and step into our new life surrendered to Jesus. And and part of me wants to skip to the end of this story because Ruth takes these steps of faith before she knows what the end of the story is. That, that God fulfills promises and God is faithful. And, and this beautiful four-chapter story shows the divinity and the incredible uh, nature of Jesus, of God. And I, I want to skip to the end of the story so that, that I can just tell you, but I, I'm not going to do that. And for many of us, I think that's the way that we look, our, look at our lives. That we want to skip to the end of the story. We want to see God fulfill the promises. We want to see the faithfulness of God. We, we want to see all the dreams and aspirations that we have fulfilled but we're hesitant to take steps of faith without knowing that God's going to handle his end of the bargain. But like Ruth, we need to be people who are willing to step out in faith and put one foot in front of the other and say, no, I trust that you are who you say you are. And I don't know what the end of the story is. I don't know what the specifics are, but what I do know is that your love is eternal and your love is perfect. And no matter what happens in this life, I get to spend eternity with you. And that's enough for me to put one foot in front of the other towards the callings that you've placed on my life. In verse 14, it says that Ruth clung to Naomi while Orpah went back to her old life. And I think it's just a a simple representation of the decision that we get to make. We get to be like Orpah and we get to make a, a reasonable, practical decision to go back to our old life. That the what's ahead looks dangerous. What's ahead looks scary. It's, it's the unknown. And we want to go back to the known so we can make the decision to go back to our old life or we can cling to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go back to who I was. I want to step into what God wants me to be. So I want to be someone who clings to Jesus. Are we going to be people in moments of faith, in moments of opportunity, who go back to the old way of living, or are we going to cling to Jesus, trusting that he has our best in mind. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.